Hey, this morning we're going to Luke chapter 9. We're carrying on in our series and we're at verse 28. It's a well-known passage of Scripture. They should make a movie on this passage of Scripture because it would make the greatest sci-fi kind of thriller, yeah, that's probably the genre, uh, movie ever. And um, here we go. About eight days later, it's interesting, all the gospel, other Gospels say after six days. Fascinating, isn't it? But Luke says about eight days later. I just find that interesting. So it's probably seven days. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John and James up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, I like that bit too. Jesus took them up on the mountain to pray. As he was praying, in other words, the disciples skived off somewhere, no different than us today. As he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. That's where the movie starts. You imagine the effects they could do with that today. His face was transformed. It just started glowing and his clothes became dazzling white. We could see something of the glory of God through His clothing. I can only imagine what it would have been like to be the disciples standing there. And this is Jesus that you're uh, walking with, that you're working with, that you know is the Messiah because I've already confessed He is the Messiah. I've seen Him do some amazing miracles. But when you're standing there and you're watching Him and He starts glowing, that's pretty cool. Right there. I suspect there was some stuff going on in their heads that are going, again, who is this guy? Who is this guy? He is glowing. His face is glowing. His clothes are suddenly glowing. Amazing. Then, if that's not enough, suddenly two men, Moses and Elijah, I haven't quite worked out how they knew it was Moses and Elijah, but suddenly two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They Two were glorious to see. And they were speaking about his exodus from this world, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Peter and the others had fallen asleep. That's right, they were there to pray. They had fallen asleep, much like yourselves. I include myself and yourselves. Just trying to help you understand this is written for us. No. Hold your tongue, Sheridan. Learn wisdom. I'm just trying to find where I am, actually. I'm faking it right now because I've lost my place. (laughs) Peter and the others had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not knowing what he was saying, blurted out, we've all got a friend like that, eh? You know who it is. As soon as you read that, you know who that friend is, don't you? They don't know what to say. Did you say Muller? That's not fair. He's not even in here to defend himself. It wasn't me that said that. But we've all got that friend, haven't we? They just blurted out. And probably as they say it, they say, what on earth am I saying? But we all know someone. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it's wonderful For us to be here, let's make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, 
and one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them. Now, this is getting really freaky. One minute, Jesus is glowing. Next second, there's three of them. Now, suddenly, the fog machine's on. And there's fog filling the room. You cannot see anything. And terror gripped them as the cloud covered them, because the cloud obviously covered them all. Then a voice. So you've got Jesus glowing. You've got two guys appear out of nowhere. You've got the fog rolls in. Crazy. And now there's a voice in the clouds. Who is crazy? They probably think they are crazy. Then a voice from the clouds said, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice finished, Jesus was there alone. And they didn't tell anyone at the time what they had seen. I'm not surprised. People would have thought they were nuts. They didn't tell anyone what they'd seen. For me, verse 35 is the key in here. And in verse 35 is perhaps uh, a very, very short sentence, which is maybe one of the most important sentences in all of Scripture. Verse 35, Then a voice from the cloud said, This is my chosen son. Listen to him. Listen to him. Maybe three of the most important words in all of Scripture. Listen to him. Listen literally means to give special attention, to take heed, to obey. To obey. To obey who? Jesus. Jesus. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. Because listening causes, it's important, isn't it? Listening causes so much to take place in us. It calls us to it causes us to grow. It causes us to live a godly life, or at least gives us the opportunity to. It causes transformation. It causes the renewing of the mind. I think it's listening and obeying that causes the abundant abundance of life that's talked about in John chapter 10, verse 10. We've got to listen. Sounds so obvious being a Christian and saying to Christians, we've got to listen to Jesus. It just sounds like, of course, that, that makes sense. But who do you actually listen to that shapes your world? Because the instruction is to listen to Jesus, but who, who is it that really our ear is inclined to that is bringing shape to our world? Because I know if we listen to Jesus, He will bring shape, kingdom shape to our world. But who is it that we're allowing to shape our world? Is it gossip? Well, I heard someone say that about that person and suddenly a whole view changes of that person because of gossip. Maybe it's social media because how many of us know that everything on social media is factual and true and wholesome? And we read something on social media and we go, oh my goodness, I never knew that. And it starts to shape us. You might leave social media with a sense of anxiety. You might leave reading social media with a sense of, well, my life's not good enough. Because I love it, there's a picture. There's a picture that comes up now and again on social media and it's got, it's the view outside an aeroplane window. And it just looks spectacular. You know, it's a blue sky and the white clouds. And you think, man, that's amazing. I'd love to be on a trip with them. And then it zooms back. And there's another picture, and it's someone's got their camera beside a milk bottle taking a photo through the handle, and it looks like an aeroplane window. And they're not going anywhere. They're not even on a holiday. It's just a photo through a milk bottle. 
There's another one that comes up I like, and it's got a couple lying on the beach, sort of looking like they're sunning it up on a tropical island. It's beautiful. Then there's another photo that zoomed back, and they're actually sitting in a landscaping yard, lying on a heap of sand with a towel and an umbrella. They're nowhere. But social media influences so many people. Who's influencing you? Is it social media? Probably not the truth. What about the news? I really don't like the news. I kind of watch it now and again to stay up to speed with what they say is happening in the world. But it's always depressing. Have you ever, ever got to the end of a news broadcast and felt happy and felt like the world is a wonderful place and things are going good, Jesus is sitting on His throne and it will be okay? Or do you get to the end of the news and go, oh my goodness. If you watch or listen to enough of that stuff, fear starts to stir in you. You've got to say, well, who's shaping my world right now? Is it the truth of God? Is it Jesus Christ? Or is it the, the news? What about friends? Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. That is a apt saying. Show me your friends, I'll show you the future. How many of us have actually changed our worldview on something because of our friends? What have our friends said about that? They weren't researched, they found it on social media. But they said... And so we shape our world around those things. Family. Sometimes family's helpful, sometimes they're not. Shaping our world. Trends. Just because it's the latest trend now doesn't make it the truth. Just because it's the fashionable thing right now doesn't make it correct. What's shaping your world? If everybody else is doing it, are we doing it too? Workmates, they're the worst, eh? How many times? I'm not talking about my workmates. <laughs> How many times has your workmate de- declared that this is the truth with absolute conviction and you know they are just dribbling a load of garbage? Let somehow we absorb it. It starts to shape our lives, perhaps. Maybe it's our teachers. Maybe it's our pastors. Maybe it's our teachers. I don't know. But they all work on shaping our lives. This I do know, that if the elements that are shaping our lives are not helping shape our lives into a kingdom consistency, then we should be questioning why we're allowing them to shape our lives. The Scripture says, listen to Him. Listen to Jesus. It doesn't even tell me to listen to my wife. That's quite a good out right there. I was told that by my wife. (laughs) Who's shaping your world? Whose influence are you allowing? Because I think if we're really honest, I don't think Jesus has as big an influence in that picture as we often think. Because we've got so many voices coming at us from so many different places that are working on us and shaping us and going around. And that that song, I am a friend of God. I know you guys are holy and you're worshipping. I am a friend of God. The second they start playing the introduction, do you know what I hear? The theme of the love boat from the 1980s. That's what I hear. I think, what on earth has been shaping my life? I'm about to worship Jesus and I've got the love boat going around in my head. That's like... What, what shapes your world? Because I'm not sure Jesus shapes it as much as we actually think. 
I'd like to think he does. But the question is, are we listening to him? That's the question. Are we listening to him? The father said, it was the father that said, listen to him. Listen to him. The mind is a, is a mind-blowing thing. It's a, the mind's a mind-blowing thing. The brain is a mind-blowing thing. It's absolutely incredible. The power of it's incredible. What they're learning in neuroscience and stuff about our, our, what's inside of our heads is just it's absolutely incredible stuff. And did you know that with a bit of discipline and a bit of time, you can actually reprogram the way you think? You can change stuff. You can, you can work it out. You can do things different. Like, for example, does anybody in the room, you don't have to wave to me, but does anybody in the room suffer from a lack of gratitude? If you do, just nod quietly to yourself. If you suffer from a lack of gratitude, maybe you struggle with negativity. You know, the glass is always half empty. It's never half full. It's always half empty. Maybe you struggle with that and, and that's part of it. But maybe, which I suppose is similar, you just you really struggle to see the positivity in anything. Well, I don't know if you remember, but when Pastor Ray Andrews was with us, he taught us, that we can significantly change those patterns in our thinking by doing some simple exercises. The brain is so powerful by just training it a different way, by inputting different things, by commanding our bodies, our brains to say different. We create new pathways and we actually learn to think differently. Pastor Ray told us that, or Dr. Ray told us, that if we give thanks for three things, three times a day, for three weeks, that is actually enough to transform the way you think and can literally take you from being a negative thinker to a positive thinker. Three things, three times a day for three weeks. That's not that difficult, is it? That's amazing. Why don't you stop just for a minute? Thank God for three things. See if you can find three things. You can take a photo if you want so you can do the exercise. Have you got three things? Thank God for three things, out loud. Just thank God for three things. There's got to be three things. Now, there's got to be three things for everyone. Has to be. Number one, I'm thankful that you've all got clothes. That's a good thing. I'm thankful that you're here. Easy, three things. I'm thankful that I've got breath in my lungs. That I'll get food sometime today. That I had transportation to get these many, many things. Start with three things. And if you struggle with those things, three things, three times a day. If you did a breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that would cover you three. For three weeks. As today is Thanksgiving Sunday, I think that's a great thing to put into place. If you're wondering what you can take home today, take that home. Giving thanks for three things, three times a day for three weeks and see what happens in your thought life. If we can rewire our minds with a relatively simple exercise, what could listening to Jesus achieve? If we can actually rewire our, our minds and change the way we think three, time, three things three times a day over three weeks, what could actually change if we listened to Jesus? 
And if we thought about those things, and if we put time and discipline into hearing Jesus, the Scripture tells us that we need to renew our mind. Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behaviour of the custom and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Here's the thing, you cannot conform to the world and live fully kingdom. You just can't. If you conform to the ways, the thinking of the world, you cannot live fully kingdom. The only way we can be transformed into living fully kingdom is through listening to Jesus. We need our minds renewed by Christ. We need to be saturated with the Word of God because that's how we think, that's how we live kingdom. It's about the Word of God. It's about, at the end of the day, listening to Him. Listening to Him. So how do we listen to Him? Let's be practical. The Bible. The Bible is the inspired Word of God. How do I hear God? How do I listen to God? I read the Bible. It's why the Bible is so important. It's not just about discipline. Uh, You must read this. No, no, it is the Word of God. It's how He speaks to us. It's how He moulds us and shapes us. It's how He instructs us is through the Word of God. The Word of God gets in us. The Bible tells us that it's sharper than a two-edged sword. We read the Bible. Do I have to? No, you don't. But if you want to listen to Jesus, yes, you do. Prayer. Prayer. But how about this? Prayer more listening than talking. Listening. Listening. is. What about conversation with God, which is actually prayer as well? But that might be a bit more talking too. Listen. Talk. Listen. Talk. Read. Pray. God, Jesus-centred, Preaching and teaching is good to hear God. Journeying, I think this one's underrated. Journeying with a company of disciples. Journeying with a bunch. See, when Jesus put the church in place, he did that for a reason. When Jesus said, I want you to gather together regularly, he did that for a reason. When Jesus decided that the church was his vehicle to uh, build kingdom, he did that for a reason. The Bible tells us that you take a Coal out of the fire, it gets cold. And if you put it back in the fire, it gets hot. I'm amazed at the number of people I talk to who willingly withdraw themselves from the company of disciples, from the church. No, I'm all right. I'm good. I'm fine. Jesus and I, we're sweet. We've got it. You don't have to ask too many questions and you go, no, no, you've actually got to back around the wrong way now. Rather than fitting your life into a healthy relationship with Jesus, you're trying to fit Jesus into your lifestyle. Things change. That gets corrected actually when you do life with a company of disciples because there's values, expectations amongst one another, environments that, that champion us to go higher and further in God. Every one of us in this room, I'm sure, can think of people that we've been journeying with, that we journey with, that have decided that, well, actually, I don't need the church. I can run this thing on the road. Have a talk to them. Do them a favour. Because the coal being out of the fire does get cold. It's just, it's what happens. They can argue, they're only self-justifying. They can argue with you all, all they like, but it gets cold. 
and suddenly Jesus becomes the tack-on. Well, Jesus never planned on being the tack-on, and the Father said, listen to him. Listen to him. What he says is important. And prophetic input's another great way to hear from God, but that's more specialised. That doesn't necessarily happen every day. But most of the things on this list, prayer, um, Bible, conversation, preaching, teaching, journeying, these are things that you can do on a daily occurrence to hear from God. And it's amazing what simply stopping and listening and having a conversation with God can achieve in shaping your world. There's so many other voices coming in. The Bible tells us this in lots of places. It says uh, um, that we need to listen to him in slightly different words. Matthew 7.24 says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Mark 4.9, Then he said, anyone, who, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. John 10.27, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Luke 8.21, Jesus replied, My mother and my brothers are all those who hear God's word and obey it. John 14.26, But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Luke 11.28, Jesus replied, But even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. John 10.2, but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognise his voice and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. John 8.47, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. But you don't listen because you don't belong. That's quite a strong verse, isn't it? But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. The command is listen to Him. Very, very simple this morning. Listen to Him. It's, it's, the, it's the instruction of the Father. We go back to the scene. Jesus takes a couple of the disciples up on the hill. Jesus starts glowing. Two guys appear out of nowhere. Peter says something stupid. Cloud comes down, covers them all. When the cloud's down, the Father speaks directly, audibly from heaven to the disciples. This is my chosen son. This is my chosen son. Listen to him. Listen to him. Cloud disappears. People vanished. Carry on. What amazing, I don't know how long that took. But if the Father, if that's what He says, if that's what He instructs in this moment of life-transforming, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a life-transforming moment, isn't it? Impacting, confronting, life-transforming moment. Just put yourself in the scene. Would have been terrifying. What on earth is happening? And the Father speaks and He says to you directly, which is what he's saying. This is my son, Jesus. Listen to him. 
listen to him. I think we could solve a lot of problems if we put that at the top of the list. But how often is that the last thing that we do? Panicking, nothing's working, we're in trouble. Oh, I should, maybe I should read the Bible. Stressed out, world's falling apart around me. Oh, maybe I should pray. Maybe now's the time to pray. Well, maybe if we listened to him first, that wouldn't have happened. Just planning some thoughts. Because the Father, it's obviously very important to him. 